Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. It's Fights and Football Friday on a Saturday. Needed a mental health day yesterday. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you all very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the little bell icon, all that stuff helps. If you are listening in podcast form, A, you can watch these on YouTube. B, uh, thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, um, and as always, leave a rating and a review, that kind of stuff really does help, and subscribe to the channel if you're not already. So, it's a Fights in Football Friday with a touch of hockey in there, as our NHL previews continue as we look how last year's Stanley Cup champion was built, and what lessons we can learn from that, and then we get into the in-depth previews for this weekend's National Football League games, a couple of CFL games in there as well. In the fights portion, fights to make coming out of the UFC Noche last weekend, a quick preview of what's going on in the Ultimate Fighting Championship this weekend, um, and then we get into the WWE cuts as well. So, uh, that is what's going on. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at Primetime Klein. You can follow the show on Facebook, just search Couch Potato Diary, and you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash PK. plus email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. So, all of that is out of the way. Let's get into it, looking at how last year's Stanley Cup champions were built. All right, so the Vegas Golden Knights, um, this is not your traditional way of building a, a Stanley Cup contender. Um, this one kind of flies in the face of draft and develop and all of those things. I mean, they kind of drafted some of these guys. It was just an expansion draft. So uh, let's get right into it. Let's start with Jack Eichel, as he is the, the superstar that has really helped take this team over the top. He's acquired with a third round pick from Buffalo for a 2022 first, which was Noah Ostland, a 2023 second, which they flipped for Jordan Greenway, um, Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck. So far with Ve uh, with Buffalo, sorry, Krebs has 48 points in around 112, 120 games. I forgot to write it down. Um, and Tuck has 117 points in 124 games. Tuck has been really good in Buffalo and is a type of player I just really, really like. But it, there is no question that this was the big move that finally took Vegas over the top. Um, Jack Eichel is an absolute superstar and proved as such uh, in a number of different occasions playing with the, the Vegas Golden Knights. So th this was a home run for Vegas in just a, a huge, huge, huge way. Jonathan Marsha show, that one's easy. He's acquired in the expansion draft. Mark Stone acquired with Tobias Lindbergh um, for a 2020 second round pick, which turned into Igor Sokolov, um, Eric Branstrom, and Oscar Lindbergh. Sokolov has two points in 13 games with Vegas. Um, he does have over 100 points in the last two seasons combined with um, their American Hockey League affiliate. Branstrom, 49 points in 90 games played, and Lindbergh, 8 points in 20 games played. So not the biggest return for the Ottawa Senators to, to, to give up uh, Mark Stone. And Vegas has done a few of these where like, th they have come out the winner on a number of different trades. And th there is a lot of arguments about how they have put this whole thing together. That They've been... Relatively cutthroat, but they've won a lot of these trades and have got better in a number of these circumstances, and that has propelled them to this point. Mark Stone is absolutely the identity of this team. He is the heart and soul of this hockey club. He is the straw that stirs the drink. All of those things you want to say, he is the reason that... Vegas can really get going. And yes, they needed Eichel to kind of take it over the top, but the identity and the tone and the culture in Vegas is set by Mark Stone. So this was a home run trade once again for Vegas. Uh, Chandler Stevenson, a player I like, acquired from Washington for a 2000, um, 2021 fifth, Ty Murchison. Um, they ended up flipping that for Michael Roffel. Um, Stevenson, uh, again, like for a fifth round pick, 
to, to get this guy. He has been a heart and soul type of a player. He helps, uh, again, with the identity of this team, with the, the speed that he can bring. Um, he I don't know if I've ever watched a game where he's been outworked. He, he really does set a tone for this team. And in, in building a culture, you can now see... It's taken them a bit, for sure. It took them a little bit. But they... They had an identity they wanted to establish, and they have now established that. And they went out, and they didn't care who they cut. They didn't care what they had to give up. They just went out and established this foundation, and Stevenson was a big part of that, and they only had to give up a fifth-round pick for it. Uh, Ivan Barbashev acquired from the Blues for Zach Dean, who had 70 points in 50 games in the QMJHL last season, so that one still yet to be seen. Barbashev is a great fit for, for Vegas, and is just the type of player that you win with. So, like, all of these trades, like, nothing has come back to really bite them in the ass at, at any point here. Uh, William Carlson, expansion draft. Riley Smith acquired from Florida for a 2018 fourth round pick. Nicholas Waugh acquired from Carolina for a fifth round pick in 2021. Um, oh, sorry, acquired from Carolina with a fifth round pick in 2021 for Eric Halla. Halla was, a one of, I think, one of the originals with, um, with Vegas, and he has gone on um, he, he was a big part of, again, establishing what they were early with the, the speed play, but um, Nicholas Waugh was a, a fine ad, I would say. Uh, Brett Howden acquired from the New York Rangers for a fourth round pick, and Nick DeSimone, Zach Whitecloud, an undrafted free agent signing. Um, a, a really, really smart pickup by them there. Uh, Alec Martinez acquired from the LA Kings. For a 2020 second round pick, which was then flipped, and a 2021 second, which turned into Ben Roger. Um, he really has helped solidify things on that blue line out in uh, out in Vegas. Just a, a steady guy. He's been in Stanley Cup games before. He scored a Stanley Cup winning goal before. So he, he has been there. Um, and I think that for a, a couple of seconds, um, absolutely worth it. Nicholas Haig was a 2017 second round pick. So hey, look at that. Draft and develop. There it is. Um... Keegan Colasar was acquired from Columbus for a 2021 or 2017, sorry, second round pick, which turned into Alex Texier, which I think would be a really interesting player to see on this um, on this Vegas Golden Knights team. I think he would help kind of fit with that identity, but Colasar is fine as well. Um, Shea Theodore acquired from Anaheim for expansion draft considerations. Alex Petrangelo put this defense over the top. Those two guys there um, put the defense over the top. Um, and like both huge, huge, huge parts of this team. Um, Brayden McNabb is, uh, in the expansion draft, William Carrier expansion draft, uh, Michael Amadio acquired from waivers from Toronto, um, Aiden Hill acquired from San Jose for a 2024 fourth and Laurent Brossois was a free agent signing. So th this was a, a, an interesting exercise to, to go through because th this is a, a, a different story than we've really ever seen from a championship team, right? To have an expansion team so quickly go from expansion to championship, you don't see that before. But th this was a real sense of this is the identity we want to set for our franchise. These are the players that fit that. We're going to go out and get that. And it was highly criticized for a number of years because of a lack of loyalty that they, they showed. And it just felt like anyone could be traded at any moment. But now it really does feel like they have what they want there. They are always going to be right up against the cap, but it really does feel like they have exactly what they need right now in, in Vegas. And this was a, a real, real clear plan of, okay, these are the guys we need. This is the type of guy that we need. Let's go out and get it. And I, I think a lot of teams could learn from building up that identity. So that is how your Stanley Cup champions were built in 2023. All right.
Let's get into football now. All right, it is now time for our week three previews in the National Football League. Um, let's get into it. So last week, not as good as week one. We had a great week one. Um, last week, we went eight and eight in our picks, which brings us to 19 and 12 on the year. Um, in the picks that we clicked, we went three and four, which brings us to nine and six on the season. So let's get into it. The LA Chargers taking on the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings, at uh, the time I took these notes down, one and a half point favorites, a total set at 54 and a half. Uh, for the Chargers, they are 22nd in DVOA, third in offensive DVOA, 32nd in defensive DVOA. Um, they are fifth in EPA per play, which is basically, it's kind of like weighted runs created in baseball, um, where uh, you're at a position on the field, and so from there, you're expected to get X amount of points. And then, say you get a 25-yard play, well, obviously, if you're going from the 25 to the 50, your drive now is getting more expected points. And so, they, they average out how many expected points your plays get. So, that's a very bad way of describing it. Um, but they're fifth in EPA per play. They have 51% success rate, which means like on, on first down, it's basically getting half of what you need for a first down until third down. So a successful play on first down is five yards. Um, and then in theory, a successful play on second and five is getting three yards. And then in theory, again, a successful play on third down is getting the first down. So there is that. Um, 13th in dropback EPA. They are eighth in dropback success rate. First in rush EPA, second in rush success rate. Taking on a Minnesota team that is 16th in DVOA, 14th in offense, 20th on defense, 19th in EPA per play, 15th in success rate, 11th in dropback EPA, 15th in dropback success rate, and their defense is 14th with um, defensive EPA per play. Two teams that desperately need a win here. Um, the, the Chargers going 0-3, I think, costs their coach a job. And for the, the Vikings, they go and acquire Cam Akers. I think everyone kind of expected them to fall off, but they, in that room, did not expect to fall off at all. Um, I think that what we kind of saw last week, the way you can attack this Minnesota team is by running the ball down their throat. And we just went over it. Um, the LA Chargers first in rush EPA and second in rush success rate. Now, some of that is with Austin Eckler, for sure. And it doesn't seem like he's going to be in the lineup in this game. But I do think the Chargers are going to be able to attack on the ground. And so I think for fantasy owners, Josh Kelly is a really interesting play in this game. Um, on the other side, this is kind of a wait and see for Minnesota, how their backfield is going to be utilized with Cam Akers, Alexander Madison, um, and Chandler as well. For, for Chandler, that, that's a that's one that stings as someone who picked up Chandler. Um, but I think you can kind of wait and see on how this, this backfield is, is going to turn out. But yeah, I, I would say based off of mistakes that have been made in the first two games, if the Chargers go 0-3 and lose this game to Minnesota, then they're looking for a new coach as of Monday morning. Um I know a lot of people have predicted the demise of that coach for a while, but I, I think that would absolutely be the case. Um, so my my official play on this one is actually under 54 and a half. I, I think both of these offenses have kind of underperformed so far. So I, I would see the, the offenses not getting to that high of a total. Um, and I am going to take the Chargers. We, we took them early in the week at plus uh, half a point. We'll take them again here at plus one and a half. Buffalo taking on Washington. The Bills six and a half point favorites. Um, the over under set at 42 and a half. The Bills third in DVOA. Eighth in offense, um, third in defense, fourth in EPA per play, first in success rate. 
Um, they are having uh, the seventh best success in the league when dropping back. Uh, sorry, the third best success in the league when dropping back. They're seventh in drop back EPA. They're also running the ball with the best success rate in the National Football League. On the other side, Washington, 11th in DVOA, 11th in offense, 10th in defense. Um, the, the other underlying numbers are all basically just kind of mid for this team, but the, the efficiency numbers have liked the, the, the Washington commanders through the first couple of weeks of the season. This is going to be a real test for them though. I just don't think that this offense right now can keep pace with what the, the Buffalo Bills can do. And I think the Buffalo Bills defense is probably going to be the best defense that Washington has seen so far. We've talked about it before, not overly high on what Denver can produce on the defensive side of the ball right now. And they played Arizona in week one. So I just think that this is a Washington team that right now, this is punching out of their weight class. So I think that the play here is Buffalo minus six and a half. Moving on, going to be a lot of pages flipping. As you can hear, I took a, a few more extra notes this week. New Orleans taking on the Green Bay Packers. The Packers favored by a point and a half. The total sits at 42 and a half. New Orleans ninth in DVOA because of their fourth ranked defense. The offense is 21st. Green Bay, on the other hand, sixth in DVOA, sixth in offense, 11th in defense. They're second in the league in EPA per play and second in dropback EPA. Uh, their defense is at 15th for a defensive EPA per play. On the other side, New Orleans is where they are at because of their defense. Fourth and defensive EPA per play. The rest of the, the, the offensive numbers are just a little bit mid. Um, I have not been impressed with what we've seen from the New Orleans offense in the first two weeks of the season, but I have been incredibly impressed with what I've seen in the first couple of weeks of the season from this New Orleans defense. I think this is one of the best defenses in the league, and I, I think that they could give Green Bay a few issues, but I, I see a Green Bay team that just stumbled for a quarter against Atlanta, um, assuming there is a little bit more health with this team. Um then I, I think they should be able to attack the New Orleans Saints this week. Um, I, I think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game, but I, I think the Packers just have a little bit more on offense, so I'm going to I'm gonna trust in Green Bay, my picks for the NFC North, with a one-and-a-half-point victory here over the New Orleans Saints. Atlanta taking on Detroit, really interesting game. Detroit is favored by three-and-a-half points. The over-under in this game set at 46-and-a-half. Um, Atlanta, 14th in DVOA, 14th in offense, 20th in defense. Um, on the Detroit side, they are 17th in DVOA, 9th in offense, 23rd in defense. And that is, uh, I think, where the key matchup is in this game. This is not a Detroit defense that's impressed me through two weeks. Yes, they held Kansas City to 20 points. We all saw what that Kansas City offense looked like in week one um, and in week two, quite frankly. We saw what the Detroit defense looked like in week two. It was bad. Um, the question though is, does Atlanta have a quarterback that can take advantage of that? I am not of that belief, but I, I still think that B. John Robinson could be a big difference in this game. This is going to be a game where the rookie running backs really do shine. I am so looking forward. I, I think this is a really, really, really interesting matchup. Um, Detroit has had some trouble stopping the run. Atlanta runs really, really well. So I do think that Atlanta is going to, to take this one here. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say the Falcons cover at plus three and a half. But we talked last week, just uh, quickly in fantasy, we talked last week about how we didn't really trust the, the, the Atlanta passing options. I think you can trust them here in this game. Um, I think you can feel pretty good about that. Um, obviously Bijan, you, you trust on the Detroit side of things. I, I understand kind of a wait and see approach. I do think that Jameer Gibbs isn't going to get a ton in this backfield. So I think Craig Reynolds is a, a good deep league play for uh, running backs this week. I think he's going to get a lot of the David Montgomery work. They just don't tr trust Jameer Gibbs 
yet. Another interesting one, Tennessee taking on Cleveland. Uh, the Titans, 25th in DVOA, 26th in offense, 16th in defense. They have the worst, or one of the worst, dropback success rates in the NFL um, at 30th in success rate. But their rush EPA is 9th. However, 18th in success rate. So they're getting some big chunks when... Big chunks are being given to them right now. On the Cleveland side of things, the defense is the straw that stirs the drink. That has this team fifth in DVOA. They are second in the league in defensive efficiency, 22nd on offense. Um, they are 31st in the league in dropback EPA, but their defense is second in EPA per play. This is a defense that I truly believe in. Uh, Miles Garrett is at the head of it. He is playing out of his mind right now. I just don't trust this offense. Deshaun Watson is washed. He is the he is Deshaun Washington right now. This offense again now loses Nick Chubb. Uh, sorry, Nick Chubb horrifically. Um, Jerome Ford, I think, is an interesting play in this matchup um, from a, a fantasy standpoint. But I think Tennessee is kind of figuring their offense out a little bit. And I think you're going to see a bit more youth infused into this. And I think that they're going to, to be able to just squeak by this Cleveland Browns team. I take the Titans to uh, to at least cover at plus three. Sorry, Houston taking on Jacksonville. The Jags are eight-point favorites. Um, Houston's uh, DVOA is 30th, 25th and 27th um, offense and, or sorry, defense and offense. And as you go on down the line, all the numbers are in the 20s, um, except for offensive success rate, which is 31st. This is a bad football team. Taking on a Jacksonville team, 12th in DVOA, 23rd in offense, 8th in defense. Uh, I think this might be a bit of an underrated Jacksonville defense, but um, who have they played? Right? Like, they, they played Kansas City last week, but we've talked before, Kansas City's offense is taking a little bit of time to get rolling. Um, they, they played the Indianapolis Colts, an offense that is taking a bit of time to get rolling. So, I don't really trust those numbers necessarily on the defensive side of things, but Jacksonville, they're just better than Houston. We, we don't have to go really into it. They're just better. Um, I, I still think you're trusting Damian Pierce for now, but if it doesn't happen this week, then it, it just might not happen this season for them. Uh, oh, Time to, I was going to go back. New Orleans, Green Bay. I just really want to drive home a point in that game. New England taking on the Jets. The Patriots, two-point favorites. They are 24th in DVOA, 17th in offense, 24th on defense, while the Jets, 26th in DVOA, 31st on offense, 13th in defense. I think this defense is really good, but they got carved up by Dallas a week ago. The Patriots offense isn't to that, but the... I think Bill Belichick is going to do awful things to, to Zach Wilson this week. This is going to be a low-scoring game. This could be a weather game as well. Um, so start any player in this game at your own peril. I think Ramondre Stevenson is probably weatherproof. But aside from that, like it's, I think everyone gets downgraded a little bit fantasy football-wise in this matchup. Uh, I am going Patriots minus two, but with minimal confidence. Denver taking on the Miami Dolphins. The Broncos, 21st in DVOA, 7th in offense, 30th in defense. Let me tell you which one of those numbers I trust. Uh, it's not the offensive one. I think that they got boosted by playing um, with a, a wild comeback or a wild start, sorry, against Washington last week and then the big Hail Mary at the end. Um, I, I think really advances some of their offensive stats and skews things for a little bit. On the Miami side, fourth in DVOA, first in offense, 21st in defense. And I think this defense is going to be better as the season goes along with Vic Fangio there as the defensive coordinator. Um, th this offense is high-powered. I think this Broncos defense is still kind of reputationally dining off of what they've done in the past. So I, I think Miami cruises in this game. I gleefully take Miami minus six and a half. 
Uh, Indianapolis taking on the Baltimore Ravens. The Colts are eight-point underdogs in this game. Um, they are 15th in DVOA, 18th in uh, offensive DVOA, 9th in defensive DVOA, while Baltimore, 7th in DVOA, 4th in offense, 5th in defense. This is a, th- this one, you don't need a whole lot. It sounds like Gardner Minshew is starting in this game. I don't care. Um, I-, I think that this is going to be a... Uh, Baltimore team that really steps up in a big time way. Carolina taking on the Seattle Seahawks. The Panthers 23rd in DVOA, 28th in offense, 18th in defense, while Seattle 20th in DVOA, 10th in offense, 22nd in defense. Uh, Carolina will not be with Bryce Young this week. It's going to be Andy Dalton under center, which might help this team a little bit. But one of the, the main issues, and I've heard it talk this week, well, Andy Dalton's a better quarterback than Bryce Young. Sure, he doesn't just get to create a weapon on his own offensively that they don't have the weapons on offense to help this team move forward. So that this is going to be a struggle, I think for, for Indianapolis this week. So I am taking Baltimore in this game or sorry, struggle for Carolina this week. So I'm taking Seattle in this game, looking at different notes. Um, the, the Seattle defense does concern me a little bit. I think this could end up being a, a sneaky over at 42 and a half, but Seattle, I, I think just, I think their defense does get a bit of a bounce back here against a bad Carolina offense. Dallas taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this one's going to be quick. We're taking Dallas minus 11 and a half. Arizona is bad. And this Dallas team is the best team in the league right now. That there isn't, there isn't a whole lot of the analysis that's needed. It's Dallas minus 11 and a half. The Bears taking on Kansas City. This is going to be an interesting matchup. The Bears have been dreadful this season. They're 31st in DVOA, 30th in offense, 26th in defense. Kansas City, 13th in DVOA, 12th in offense, 19th in defense. I'm referencing DVOA. It is a real good catch-all for how efficient a team has been both offensively and defensively. And as the season goes on, it waits based on uh, more current games than uh, what, what happened at the beginning of the year to give you a real accurate representation of what's happening in a team season. So that's why we're referencing it so much. Um, But this Kansas City offense has not been good so far this year. 17th in EPA per play, 27th in success rate, 17th on EPA per dropback, 21st in dropback success rate. They haven't been able to run the ball either. And the Bears, all of their stats are in the 20s as well. I think the play in this game is the under. Um, There's been a lot of talk this week in Chicago about this offense um, and how frustrating it has been. And maybe they do make some adjustments that make it easier for Justin Fields to to do his thing. That's not going to happen in one week. And Kansas City's offense has been struggle bus this season. So I don't think either side is right now putting up the points capable to get this to 48 and a half. So I am going to go Chicago plus 12 and a half um, because I don't think Kansas City is blowing anyone out right now. And I am taking this game to go under. Uh, we've been waiting all day for Sunday night. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on Vegas. Vegas, two-point favorites coming into this game. The total is at 43. I don't get that at all. Pittsburgh's offense has certainly struggled this season, but the Raider defense is not very good, and I think that Pittsburgh's offense smothers the Raiders in this game, so we are going to go Pittsburgh plus two and a half. Quickly for the Monday night games, um, Eagles taking on Tampa Bay. I think that a four and a half point spread is buying a little bit into what we have seen, uh, buying a bit too much into what we've seen from both teams so far. I think that you do get an opportunity here for Philadelphia to kind of bounce back. I think it's a bit of a falling back down to earth here for, for Tampa Bay after a 2-0 start. We love our Bucks this year, but we don't love them in this matchup. I'm taking Philly minus 4.5, and, and I'm going to go the Rams straight up against Cincinnati. I think their offense has been clicking through the first couple of weeks of the season, and I think Cincinnati's offense is just in a bit of a hole right now. 
This does mean I'm picking Cincinnati to go 0-3, which would be quite the start for them. Uh, quickly, in the CFL, um, I did make these picks last night. I put them on the BetStamp app. Uh, Saskatchewan minus 1.5, did not get that one. Um, BC minus 5.5 over Edmonton, did get that one. So we're 1-1 going into today. I'm going Montreal on the money line, minus 110 against Calgary is the pick there. Uh, we are going to click on that one. And then Montreal, or sorry, uh, Toronto against Hamilton, uh, going the Argos minus 9. Not clicking on that one with enough confidence, but uh, that, that is my pick there. So that is the football portion of a Fights and Football Friday. All right, um, coming off of UFC Noche, where it was a split draw between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, fights to make coming out of that one. The first one is obvious, and we talked about it on Monday. It is Grasso against Shevchenko 3, and it is in Mexico. There is no other answer. I don't care if Shevchenko has a broken hand. Let Grasso rest and build this one up at a stadium or at an arena, wherever, in, in Mexico. But that, that is 100% the fight to make here. Uh, I'm saying... Jack Della Maddalena against Jeff Neal. Um, I think that Neal is a, a good test to see if Maddalena has advanced in the ways that I think he has. Again, this was not the dominant performance that you wanted to see from Jack Maddalena to be like, okay, th this guy has locked in now to a top 10 spot. But I, I think it was a strong enough performance that, that he should be moved up in the rankings, and he did. And now he should get another higher test in those rankings. So I, I would say Jack Della Maddalena against Jeff Neal is a, a good measuring stick to see if JDM can progress a little bit further in the welterweight division. Um, and the other one for me is Kevin Holland against Neil Magny. I went back and looked. These two somehow haven't fought in, in their times in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So I think that'd be an, a, an interesting fight and a really key fight for, for both fighters. So I think because of the stakes involved, that'd be a good next bout for both of them. Uh, this weekend, it is Rafael Fiziev against uh, Matush Gamrod. Um... Even with the win, I don't see any of these guys breaking into the top five right now. That is Chandler, Dariush, Poirier, Gaethje, and Oliveira. Um, these two are ranked sixth and seventh. And so I, I kind of think with the win, the number six ranked fighter stays the number six ranked fighter. Maybe they get an opportunity against one of the, 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 the odd people out at the top part of this division. But I, I, I just don't see anyone cracking that top five right now. I think Fiziev gets the job done in this bout. Uh, some recent fights that have been announced. Davison Figueredo taking on Rob Font in uh, Figueredo's bantamweight debut for a fight night on December 2nd. I, I think this is an excellent test for Figueredo right away. Rob Font is a pro's pro um, at, at 135 pounds, and I think he is going to be someone who will really see... Um, what Figueredo can do, what aspects of his game at 125 can now translate up to 135, and how does he go from there? So a really interesting bout to me, set up for uh, close to the close of 2023. Colby Covington taking on Leon Edwards at UFC 296, along with Brandon Hoival against Alexander Pantoja. Um, a couple of interesting fights. Uh, Leon Edwards getting a big marquee bout that, that I think he would want. Colby Covington getting another title opportunity. So we're going to be groaning quite a bit at the, the buildup for this. So I, I think that that was... You kind of saw that this was going to be the fight to make after Edwards uh, polished off Coral Usman for the second straight time. Pantoja against Hoival is, is a, an interesting one. Um, you you kind of get away from what was happening in this division before with the, the Moreno and the Figueredo. You, you kind of, like, now these two have fought before, so it's another rematch. But um, I think this is going to be a fun fight for the, the co-main event for that. We now know what John Jones and Stipe Miocic's co-main event is going to be. It's going to be for the vacant light heavyweight championship with Yuri Prohachka taking on Alex Pereira. Uh, the winner will be the light heavyweight champion. I don't know why Pereira's last bout against Blahovic wasn't for a championship, but now it, it is. We have to be getting close to the point where Jamal Hill is just 
ready to come back anyway. Um, but th this is an interesting fight as the goat of 205 pounds um, gets a, a, another crack at defending his championship coming up on that weekend as well. So that is uh, just a quick UFC talk day uh, for today. Into the world of pro wrestling now, and these days are never fun, as it was cut-down day in WWE after the merger with the Ultimate Fighting Championship forming a TKO group. Um, a number of performers were cut. Um, I, I took these notes yesterday before Matt Riddle was cut. So quickly, we're just going to go through and see where we would like to, to see these guys kind of end up. Um, for Matt Riddle, I, I do think that um, AEW would be an interesting spot for him, but I, I'm going to say like, he is just a new Japan guy, uh, new Japan strong. I think he fits right in with the, the Tom Lawlers of the world and then getting some appearances in, in new Japan, I, I think would really do a lot to showcase what this guy can really do as a performer. Dolph Ziggler cut. Um, he is one who I think gets the AEW spotlight and as well, new Japan. I, I think there's so many fun matches that he can do on a, a tour or two with, with new Japan pro wrestling. So, um, it, it would be easy to just say all of them AEW. I'm going to try to not do that. Um, but Dolph Ziggler is one there. Mustafa Ali, uh, I think that, uh, again, AEW would be fun. Um, and if he wants to stay stateside, absolutely. But I think just a New Japan run for him would be enough to, to really get people buzzing about this guy one more time. And, and really provide some light to the junior heavyweight division right now that at, at times can feel a touch stale. Uh, Shelton Benjamin, I I'd say a return to Ring of Honor would be great for, for Shelton Benjamin. He'd be a veteran around there. Um, he can kind of feel like the, the big, uh, one of the big fish down in, in Ring of Honor again. Um, but, but he would be one who I would say that could be a, a good transition for him. Emma and Riddick Moss, I have going to Impact Wrestling. Um, I, I think Riddick Moss and kind of the, the variety of characters that he can play would fit in with a lot of the stuff that they do in Impact. Emma has been in Impact before and, um, the, the Knockouts division is always a strong one there. So I, I think she would fit right in with that group. Uh, Aaliyah, I have her going to Ring of Honor and, and provide another big name in the ROH women's division. Top Dalla is AEW bound, I would say, just because of the alliance with, um, with Swerve Strickland. I, I think that fits really well. So it, it worked once. Why not have it work one more time? Uh, Rick Boogs, I think, would be really fun and impact with some of the, the comedy things that they do there. Dabakato, I had a tough time putting him somewhere. I could see impact, or sorry, I could see, I, I could see impact. Um, I could see AEW as well. I wanted to, to go a little off the board. They have always liked big dudes in all Japan. And, and I think if Dabakato could really commit himself to the, the art of professional wrestling, um, a, a run in all Japan might do some really good things to, to build up him reputationally. Uh, impact, I, I have also getting... Shenki and Mansoor, um, th those are both performers from areas of the world that Impact have liked to branch into in the past um, and, and seem to have pretty good relationships with the fans there. So I, I think those would be a couple of real interesting pickups for uh, for Impact Wrestling. And Mace, AEW loves their big dudes right now. I think Mace would fit in in all elite wrestling. So that is a frustrating and a tough week in the world of pro wrestling. First and foremost, you just hope that, that all these people land on their feet. Um, now it is time for today's ticket. All right. It is a busy one today. Uh, like I said before, we've already got the chargers plus uh, half a point Seattle minus four and Kansas city and Chicago under 48 and a half. 
Um, we took Saskatchewan minus a point and a half and BC minus five and a half. So those are ones that we previously had going into this weekend. Um, okay, so we will start with Montreal on the money line against the Calgary Stampeders. I just think Montreal is a bit more of a complete team right now than, than Calgary is. A weird situation this week with uh, Ambles being released by the, the Stampeders. Um, I think that's a big hit to, to this receiver room and to this passing attack. So uh, I think Montreal is just a better team. So I think they get the win out here in what is shaping up to be a foggy day at McMahon Stadium. Uh, Chargers and Minnesota, I'm going under 54 and a half. Just both teams have underperformed so far. And I think they will continue that this week. Miami minus six and a half. I think they're just so much so much better than the Denver Broncos. I think they get a, a convincing win there. Uh, we're going to go Dallas minus 11 and a half. Um, Chicago plus 12 and a half against Kansas City. The, the Chiefs offense just isn't one that's blowing people out right now. Uh, Pittsburgh plus three against the Raiders. Um, and then on Monday night, we are going to go with both. Philadelphia minus four and a half. And the Rams plus 120 on the money line. That's going to do it for the show. Thank you all so much. If you're watching, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Always appreciate it. Um, if you are listening in podcast form, rate, review, subscribe wherever you can. Um, that stuff really does help out as well. Social media, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKline. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. And you can email the show Couch Potato Diary at Yahoo.com. And hey, we're on Facebook. Um, all right, that's going to do it for the week. Next week, we get into... Um, much more from the NHL previews. Uh, I believe our NBA previews start next week. Blue Jays postseason will be will be ramping towards the postseason or not. Um, so a lot to get to next week. Thank you all so much, and I will talk to you all later.